Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Hey, everybody. Today's podcast is brought to you by Warby Parker. Friends of the pod can get a special offer at Warby Parker Trial dot com slash Han. That's H-A-H-N. Warby Parker Trial dot com slash Han. I'll tell you more about it later in the show. Week 49 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. And uh, I, like you, have been in the house most of the last five days and probably will be for many more days to come. I will venture out to do my radio show on Thursday nights at least for now, I do the podcast here at home. I do TV here at home for the most part, unless I go into the city. It's been a wild week and it's not going to get any less wild. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the votes. Not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. All right, so I guess week 49 of the podcast and week one of basically a nation in isolation, right? I mean, we are all working from home for the most part, unless you're a healthcare professional or a first responder or maybe work for a utility or something of that nature. If you're a, uh, working at a grocery store or restaurant, I guess a lot of people aren't working from home, but a lot are. And when you're not at work, you're probably just at home because there's really going to be nothing else you can do. Theaters are closed down here in New York, and I know in many other states around the country, they're they're shutting down theater, theaters, bars, and restaurants. Um, we're doing whatever we can to prevent the spread of this virus, which is now here. And it is uh, going to dominate our lives for at least the next two months, if not longer. I mean, hopefully not, right? But I would say we are not going to see much of a change, at least for the better. We might see changes for the worse. There might be curfews. There might be uh, other limits. But I don't think we're seeing changes for the better until May. And uh, look, um, we should be thankful If we have our health, we should be helping those who need help. We should be talking to friends and families, family members, and and making sure they have what they need. And if they don't, we should do what we can to get them what they need. This is a time where um, we're all going to have to pull together as Americans. This is a time when, you know, what we're doing right now is to help others, right? I mean, look, 90% of us, if we got this coronavirus, would get over it and maybe get over it with little to no complications. 
but there's a 10% uh, that would have significant complications. And there was one or two, or maybe even 3%, we don't know, that would probably die from it. So we are doing what we can in this country to save those people. And I think that's a good thing. And I think it's a selfless thing. So like everybody else out there, I'm going to remind you to practice social distancing, stay six feet away from people, wash your hands. You know, if you're sick, stay home. Don't go out. Don't expose other people. Um, and just be careful. And remember to be healthy. And do what you got to do. And now if you're not sick, again, you could practice social distancing and still go out and not go out to a bar or to a movie, but you can go for a walk. Maybe go for a run. I haven't given up my daily run. I'm still on my streak. Haven't missed a day since December 31st. 2018, and I'm going to keep that going as long as I can. Um, you know, go for a walk, sit outside, get some sunlight, read. It doesn't have to all be Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, I mean, it could be, you, you could really do other things. And I know we're going to need escapes from uh, from this coronavirus. And I, I know that probably for the next week or two, I'll be talking about it. And I'll be talking about the political impact of it just in a minute. Um. But, you know, after a couple weeks, I think I'm going to move on from it because we'll all know about it and you'll all have heard enough of it. So I think maybe this week and next week will be dedicated to that and barring something totally unforeseen. I think after that, I'm going to move away from it. I'll talk about it a little bit. But I think uh, you guys tune into this podcast for my political opinion and why, what I think of what's going on in the world of politics. And I think the world of politics is going to be um, completely shaken by this over the next couple of months. I, I just, as I'm recording this, I just got off Fox News. I was on with my friend, Carl Rove, and, and I make no bones about being friends with Carl Rove. Um, we were arguing about why Mitch McConnell let the Senate go home over the weekend. I mean, you know, everybody else in this country was getting ready uh, for what is coming with this virus over the weekend. But Mitch McConnell decided that the Senate should adjourn and the members should go home. So all 100 members scattered to the four winds. And now they're coming back and presumably there will be a bill later today if you're listening to this on Tuesday or yesterday if you're listening to this later in the week. Um, and let's hope that happens and, and they should they should get on it and they should be done with it. And we should make sure that Americans have what they need through this crisis. They should not have to worry about their healthcare costs. They should not have to worry about missing their rent payment. They should not have to worry about missing meals. We should make sure that in the richest, most powerful nation on earth, when we are faced with this epidemic, which we should treat like a war, and I think we're starting to, that everyone has what they need and that they don't have to worry. You know, all this talk about this great economy the last couple of years, it's been a gig economy for the most part. A lot of people working a lot of jobs that pay them, you know, as they go. They basically eat what they kill. And if you're a Uber driver or you've been making your uh, extra money to, to make ends meet, you know, doing DoorDash or some other gig, you're going to have a hard time. If you're an actor, you know, I have friends uh, that have been on this show who own a very successful improv company. They do classes and trainings, and they have a great show that's been running for five straight years in New York City. Um, they employ dozens of people. They're shut down. They don't know when they're going to open again. What is going to be done for them? That's what you know has to be addressed. And I think that these bills, to some extent, do address that. But when we're going around, you know, giving bailouts to the airline industry and other companies that are going to be negatively impacted by this, we got to remember the small businesses. And we got to also remember that there are a lot of people who are not making their bills this month. A lot of students that aren't paying their student loans. So I consider myself fortunate. I'm, I don't have any of those worries right now. And I appreciate the support I've been given both here and elsewhere that allows me not to have to worry. But there are a lot of people worried and I'm worried for them. And I think that 
you know, I mean, I think it's a blip on the political radar, Mitch McConnell sending them home, but it was completely irresponsible. By the way, I got Joe Walsh, uh, not the um, rock star Joe Walsh, but the former congressman, um, one-time Trump supporter, now one of the most rabid anti-Trump people you will find on the on the on, in the world. He, he was going to run against him in the primary, but the Republicans basically shut down the primary. He'll be joining me uh, a little later on the show. And by the way, I recorded this on Thursday. Things were starting to you know fall apart on Thursday. People were starting to lock down on Thursday. Things were getting canceled. Um, I recorded this on Thursday, but a lot has changed between, <laughs> I feel like Thursday was a thousand years ago. Sometimes I worry that, you know, I record things on Thursday and politics moves so fast these days that uh, it's not going to work. But a lot of it works because we mostly talked about the, about Trump's response to the coronavirus, which, you know, I think has been bad. I, I think that leadership matters in America. I think when Harry Truman put the sign, the buck stops here on, on his desk, he meant it. And I think almost every president, every president, as far as I'm concerned, has understood that they were the one responsible. And this president, on almost every issue, big issues, small issues, whenever something goes wrong, it's never his fault. And, and, if there is one thing above all else, I mean, there are a lot of things that bother me about Donald Trump, but that is the thing that bothers me the most. That he never accepts responsibility. He is the president of the United States. The ultimate decider. You know, I was just on a call of uh, George Bush used to say, I'm the, de- I'm the decider. <laughs> I, I can't even do my George Bush anymore. I used to have a great W. I don't have it anymore. Um, you know, he used to say he's deci- he's the decider, and we used to laugh. But you know what? Yeah, the president's the decider. He's the guy who makes the decisions, makes the call. So when you disband the pandemic response unit of the National Security Council, and whether you did it, or General Kelly did it, or somebody else did it, it was your National Security Council. You're the president. You made that change. You are responsible for the people that work for you, Mr. President. You are responsible for thinking it was okay just to shut down travel between Wuhan province and the United States, and that would solve the problem. Instead, you could have taken those four weeks between then and now, and you could have gotten tests ready. You could have ordered ventilators. You could have had the Army Corps of Engineers work up a plan to put triage hospital units all over this country, particularly in the major cities that are going to need them more than likely in the coming days and weeks. But you didn't do that. And they're doing it now. They've got everybody together now and they're trying to get it done. But they squandered four weeks, squandered it, and they pretended that this was not even happening. I mean, it was only two weeks ago that Donald Trump called this a hoax the latest hoax. I I think it's time, America, that people start opening their eyes to what leadership is. And I think when you're talking to your conservative friends, remind them about that. Now, you know, there's an election tomorrow in Florida and in Illinois and in Ohio and Arizona, a primary election. They have not been canceled. The governor of Ohio tried to cancel their primary, move it to June uh, the judge said no. They're going to vote tomorrow in those states. I think turnout's going to be. I think turnout's going to be low. I think it's going to be real low, particularly in Ohio, where you know you could be waiting in line forever because uh, the Republican governor of Ohio doesn't do anything to make people want to come out and vote. John Kasich, who liberals love to toast right now because he's you know critical of Donald Trump, he didn't do anything to help people vote in Ohio. It's a travesty that people are going to be in fear and they don't have another option. We should be doing vote by mail everywhere in this country. Everywhere in this country. Vote by mail. Instead, people in Ohio and some people in Florida, I mean, Florida has vote by mail. They have early voting. Same with Arizona. Same with Illinois. 
Some people are going to have to choose. I mean, do I take my life in my own hands and go out and vote? Now, I think the chances of you getting coronavirus by voting, unless you're waiting in a crowded line, is very small. Wash your hands, stay away from people, don't touch your face, and you'll be okay. But the fact that people even have to worry is going to definitely bring down turnout. And and God, there should be another way, right? We live in a modern society. You know, most of us camping out at home have almost everything we want. And if we don't have it, we could get it delivered. And, you know, shouldn't we have the same convenience in our voting? Look, it's going to be tough. I mean, I know I sound somber, right? I'm not my normal chipper Chris on this podcast. And I look... It's going to be an interesting, surreal couple of months in this country. I'm just wondering what the breaking point in Trump's popularity will be. He's still at 43%. Hasn't budged. Now, Biden's beaten him in a lot of polls. Outside the margin of error. Beaten him in a bunch of polls. And and, and including swing state polls. But I still look at that national poll and I see... 43% 43% approval for Donald Trump. NBC poll over the weekend, I think it was 43.5%. It was down a little bit, and they, I think they had him at 45% the last time. But 43% just seems high for a guy who went out, who, who goes to the podium, lies, gives you misinformation about it uh, when he gives his press conference, almost every time he talks, shakes the hands of the people trying to resolve the crisis. Meanwhile, you know, there's a... a there were a couple people at Mar-a-Lago with him that had it. Senator Scott self-quarantining because of it. Donald Trump's out there shaking hands of people who are trying to fight the, the epidemic. Touching the microphone when Dr. Fauci, who like is the one sole you know, voice of reason in the administration, goes... To, I mean, it, it's remarkable to me. No, we got to get to a point where people are judging this man on what he's done. Now, I don't blame him for the virus, but I will hold him responsible for the nation's response to the virus. No matter what he says, no matter if he goes on a conference call and says the governor should be doing more, Governor Cuomo is doing everything he can here in New York. I don't care who he blames, what he thinks. I think Americans are going to hold him accountable. Now, he'll still have his cult followers that won't break with him. I just want to know what that number is. Is it 30%? Is it 27%? What is the number? The break your back number for this president? We're going to find out. We're going to find out really, really soon, I think. I think within two weeks. I mean, the stock market today dropped almost 3,000 points, just under. 2,999 points in one day. It's only slightly above where it was when he took office. And I think by the end of the week, it'll probably be below that. By the end of this crisis, it's going to be back where it was in 2008, if you ask me, during the financial meltdown of 2008. You can't point to that. He started to pivot away from it today um, because he knows. He knows it's not coming back up anytime soon. You know, maybe he gets lucky. It starts coming up in October. Maybe. But I don't think it's getting back to 29,000, 30,000 anytime soon. Jobs report's going to stink. Nobody's adding jobs now. It's a surreal time. And we got to see how people really feel about him. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. All right, so I got Joe Walsh coming up in a minute. But before I uh, get to that, I got to remind you about Warby Parker. Now, look, we're all stuck in our house, right? Uh, if you're going to need new glasses, what are you going to do? I got a great place to go. WarbyParkerTrial.com. They will send you five pairs of glasses for you to try on at home. You could try them on. You could see how they look. It, use your prescription in them. That, you know, you send them your prescription. They send you your glasses with the prescriptions in them. You try them on. You wear them around the house. You show your family. You try. Hey, America, Christopher Hahn here, the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. What is with the president and the right-wing echo chamber encouraging these astroturf protests 
against stay-at-home orders around the country. It's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Check out the Aggressive Progressive Podcast wherever you download podcasts. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, COVID continues to reshape the law. Supreme Court arguments will be held by teleconference. The justices won't even know if the lawyers are wearing pants, which is fair given the eternal mystery of what's under those black robes. Los Angeles County is springing 25% of its inmates. The sheriff suggests folks get ready for what might be a spike in crime. Check it all out on the next episode of Too Many Lawyers. I'm on with different types of clothes. See how they look. No fuss, no muss. You don't like them, you send them back. $95 a pair with prescriptions, pretty awesome. And they'll donate a pair. For every pair you buy, they donate a pair to somebody in need. Really important, especially right now. So many people out of work. WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Han. That's H-A-H-N. WarbyParkerTrial slash Han. If you want to try out these glasses. Look, I don't I don't think you're going to go out to you know some glasses place. I don't even they call it optometrist office today and buy new glasses in this crisis. So you might as well give them a try. WarbyParkerTrial.com slash Han. All right. Kind of surreal doing commercials in the middle of all this, but oh man, oh man. All right. Joe Walsh, not the guy from the Eagles. I talk about that a little bit in this interview. Joe Walsh joins me on the other side of this break. Stay where you are. You're listening to the Chris Han Show and I'll be right back. Former Congressman Joe Walsh, he ran for president this year against Donald Trump. He was a fervent Donald Trump supporter. But if you've been following him on Twitter, as I have the past couple of months, uh, he is not happy about his former support of President Trump. Congressman, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Chris, it's really good to be with you, my friend. Thanks. I really appreciate it. I, I used to do your show back in the day, yep. and, and we used to have a lot of fun debating. But uh, I think we're in uh, in violent agreement right now <laughs> that we have a crisis in this country, and we've got the wrong man in the job for it. It's, it's actually the coolest part of the Trump era. He's so bad and so horrible that he's brought people like you and I together. Look, I, I ran against him. I announced last August I was going to primary him because— the man is unfit, he can't tell the truth, and he cannot put the country's interest ahead of his own. Right. I'd been dying for a Republican to say that every day. I found out, Chris, uh, a primary challenge was futile. They canceled 10-some primaries. Yeah. The, the Republican Party's become a cult. Complete. It's a, a cult of Trump. I am shocked that even in the midst of this you know, downward turn in the market and this chaos over coronavirus and clear lack of leadership by Donald Trump, that there are still people defending him, saying it's not his fault. And, you know, look, he's not to blame for the coronavirus or the market uh, dive, but he is to blame for the response at this nation here. The buck stops with him, but people just want to give him a pass. Uh, amen, Chris. Yeah, he's not to blame for the virus. He's to blame for the response. And it, it, I mean, it's, it's fascinating when you look at what he's done the last three or four weeks. All he's done is ignore it, uh, lie about it, mislead about it, and then whine about it. Yeah. You're right. He's got, a, he's got a, a cult following. And you know this as well as I do, cult. It's, uh, Chris, it's idiots like Hannity yeah. and the rest of the people in my old world of conservative media that just put BS out there. Every night, I, I, I was really curious yesterday. I turned on Rush Limbaugh for like four minutes yesterday, and, and all he said was, Biden is senile and uh, coronavirus isn't real. It's right. some leftist plot. Could you believe this? I mean, they, they are out there telling people that this isn't real and that they shouldn't believe what they're hearing from the president's own people, by the way. Dr. Fauci works for the president of the United States, yeah. and he's saying— this is very real. It's 10 times worse than the flu as far as deaths go and probably more contagious than the flu because we have no immunity to it because it's a brand new virus. And yet we have conservative, a guy who got the Presidential Medal of Freedom a couple of weeks ago out yeah. there lying to his listeners who, you know, are put at risk by his lies because they believe what he says. Uh, you do radio and you do radio really well. I did conservative talk radio for years and it saddens me to no end to say that Rush Limbaugh and Hannity and damn near all of them, 
they purposely, purposely lie to and manipulate their viewers and their listeners. And they're doing it right now with a pandemic. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. What do you think it's going to take? For, I mean, I guess we're going to find out, right? We're going to find out, I think, in the next week or two how much it's going to take for people to break with Trump. I believe that this is the straw that's going to break the camel's back. And I think that by the end of March or the beginning of April, uh, the president's numbers are going to be in the low 30s. Uh, probably. And uh, he's not going to win in November. I believe that. And we're all going to have to work our butts off to make sure he doesn't. Right. Chris, I've got, a bo- I've got a book out there right now. It's called F Silence, Calling Trump Out for the Authoritarian Con Man He Is. Um, it's it's in your bookstores. You can go on Amazon and get it. But key to Trump is he needs he he's got a cultish following. All authoritarians surround themselves with a cult. Yeah, and he, he's he's always going to have that, and he'll go down. Hannity and him will go down together. Yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. You know, look, I've made my my living basically in in conservative media. You know that I've been a regular on Fox yeah. News for ten years. I like to go in there because I feel that somebody's got to get inside that bubble and tell the truth. And I go in there I every it. day, guns a blazing. And, and, you know, to their credit, they keep bringing me back, I guess, because I'm entertaining. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a it's yeah. it's, it, you know, there are those there that want to tell the truth and want to let the truth in. And I think the people that keep having me on, even if they might appear to be the worst conservatives in the world, sometimes they they want the truth out there, too. And that's why they keep having me back. And, and I hope they keep having me back. But something's got to give now. We all got to start. You know, this is this is worse than Katrina. And I remember Katrina and I remember people on Fox News saying what's going on here is a failure of government and failure of leadership. And I'm hoping that somebody on the in the conservative movement makes that stand. Who do you think might that be? I, I, I just Chris, I just don't know who in the conservative world would say it. If I were still if I still had my conservative talk radio show, I'd be saying it. Right. But there's not a there's not an audience for somebody like me right. in conservative talk. I mean, I, look, I, I I was losing my radio show in market after market before I announced right. I was going to run again. Wow, because you were being critical of Donald Trump, as you should be, and, you know, as somebody you, who has an opinion. Yeah, and you you just can't have that. Fox News told me two and a half years ago, we can't have you on because we can't have conservatives on who are never Trumpers. Right. Um, so it's I, I don't think you're going to break that. But But here's the thing, Chris, like. I think, and by the way, Joe Biden looked like a president today. He sure he? did. Yeah, he did. I and, mean, my gosh. Yeah, and the president looked like a fool today when he was sitting there with the Irish prime minister and he's asked about his own exposure to coronavirus. And he's like, I'm not getting tested. He's been tested. I guarantee you he's been tested. Well, and he looked he looked horrible last night. Uh, it look, look, we've got this country is facing two crises right now. One is a virus that's spreading across the country. The other is a president who fundamentally cannot tell the truth and doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself. People like you and me who are in the business, we've known that about Trump from the moment he got elected. But I think you're right. To your point, Chris, I think a lot of Americans who don't pay attention to politics, they're realizing for the first time that this guy's unfit. I I mean, I, I... I look at this as an existential crisis for this nation. And, you know, things are canceled. Sports, the NCAA March Madness is canceled. Baseball's opening day is canceled. I mean, this is, you know, Americans are waking up and they're saying, well, this guy was giving himself a pat on the back for closing off flights from China a couple of weeks ago. Well, yeah, that's all well and good. But what were you doing other than that? Nothing. Chris, he's. You think about it. Here we are. We're basically shutting everything down in the country. Two, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, he was calling it a hoax. Yeah. Uh, and, and and he was complaining about the media and the Democrats making a big deal about it. That was just two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So, look, again, to your point, he's not responsible for the virus, but he's responsible for his horrific response to it. And I've been telling that to, you know, conservative friends and people who tweet at me, you know, and and others. I've been saying, look. Do they get it? Do they get it? No, they don't. 
they they want to bring up Obama's response to H1N1, which, okay, 4,000 yeah. people died in the United States for H1N1. But you know what? We always knew that there was somebody in control and that he was giving us honest information about it. That's the difference here. What's causing the market to collapse and what's causing this mass panic across this country is a failure of leadership. And it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I think we've got a lot to uh, figure out. Well, all you got to do is look at this, Chris. Um, every time the president of the United States speaks about it, everything gets worse. Yeah. I mean, think about that. 2,200 so, point drop today. Crazy. We are better off as a country if he doesn't even open his mouth. I agree. I, mean, that, that, I agree. That's it right there. We would benefit greatly if he went into self-quarantine for a couple of weeks right now. I think, I think we'd all be better off. All right. Congressman, stay where you are. I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back. I am talking to former Congressman Joe Walsh, former presidential candidate, friend of mine. All right, here's part two of my interview with former Congressman and presidential candidate Joe Walsh. I am back with uh, former Congressman and presidential candidate Joe Walsh. What's the name of that book you got coming out again? uh, Because this is radio, I'll be careful, Chris. It's called F. Silence. Calling Trump out for the authoritarian con man that he is. You can get it in your bookstores and on Amazon right now. There you go. It's out. It's ready. Check it out. Uh, Former Congressman Walsh has a lot of things to say about this president, and he is not some wishy-washy liberal like me. He is a dyed-in-the-wool conservative, you know, was a firebrand when he was in Congress. I spent many a day yelling at him on on the radio and on television, and now we are locked arms together to try to save America from the scourge that is Donald Trump. Uh, And Chris, that's a really great point. You You and I probably disagree on most public policy issues. Yes. Um, but, But we agree that this guy... Uh, is a threat to the republic. And my God, I want to get back to the day where Joe Walsh and Chris Hahn can have a debate <laughs> about Medicare and education and everything else. Absolutely. Me too. I want to get back to the day, the days. You know, when I first got into politics, I worked for Senator Schumer. Um, yeah. You would have debates with conservatives. And I never doubted their love of this country. I doubted the way they thought we should be running the country. But I thought they loved right. the country. Um, we just had different ideas and sometimes we met in the middle and worked things out. And now we're at a point where like the, the sides are at each other's throat and this president wants to foster that, which is horrible. And that's why I think he's going to have a real hard time getting reelected because he's got his loyal base, but you've got somebody like me, a dyed in the wool conservative who I, I said, when I got out of the race a month ago, I said, I'll support and I'm going to work for whoever the Democrat nominee is, even if it's Bernie. Yeah, because I'd rather have a socialist in the White House than a dictator. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Bernie's got some big plans, but he's going to go to Congress to try to get him through, and then you know what happens. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have an incremental exactly. system for a reason in this country. Nothing changes fast. But let's talk about this election coming up. I, I mean, yeah. I think I think if you would have asked me three weeks ago when it looked like Bernie was going to be the nomination nominee, Trump's polls were rising, the stock market was about to go over thirty thousand, I was thinking. Man, it's going to be tough to beat this guy. It's probably not going to happen. But looking at the way things have changed dramatically in the past three weeks, with Joe Biden now clearly the favorite to be the Democratic nominee, uh, the collapse of the economy, which was the only good thing this guy had going for him, um, how are you seeing the map? I wouldn't underestimate Trump, and I wouldn't underestimate the map. I agree. Chris, I've never seen a two and a half political weeks like we've seen you're right. Biden was dead and he rose again. And I think the reason that everybody coalesced around Biden is Trump. Yeah. It's just we got to get this guy out of the White House. Thank God for all the African-American voters who voted in these Democrat primaries. Yeah. All the women who came out and said, I want that horrible human being out of the White House. Yeah. But now, having said all of that, look, Trump, Trump's tough, Chris, and, and he's got a loyal following and you know he's going to campaign and he'll he'll get dirty and he'll cheat. He'll yeah. do whatever he has to he, do to He's win. one of those guys who will do whatever it takes to win, including yes. cheat, by the way. Um, yes. And I, I yeah. don't put it past him. I don't put I don't put it past him if this crisis gets out of hand for him to try to cancel the elections. Now, I don't think that'll happen, but I think he'll try. Absolutely not. And here's the other important thing. I don't want to just, I don't, and again, you and I disagree politically, 
but I don't want to just beat Trump in a close election. I want to spank him. Yeah. I want it to be an annihilation because, look, Trump and Trumpism, bad for the country. Yeah. It's bad for my former party, the Republicans. Yeah. I want him to lose Texas. I want Donald Trump to lose the state of Texas. You know why? Because then every conservative in America will be like, you know what? We need a national popular vote. Because <laughs> yeah. you'll never yeah. be able to win the country again without Texas. And it's it's it, Texas is going to turn at some point. The demographics well, are there. And, and whether it's this year or four years from now, I think this, this could be the year, given how bad this president is. Uh, but you're right. I, it's, I think it's got to be a blowout so that there could be no whining and complaining, and the whining and complaining after the election will look just like what it is, whining and complaining. No, and look, I, my Republican Party, it's not my party anymore. It's Trump's party. It's right. McCult. I think the Republican Party, Chris, is breaking up no matter what happens. And here's the other thing. Even if Trump loses, he ain't going away. Right. Uh, he'll, he'll grab Sean Hannity. They'll start their own network, whatever, and he's going to make trouble for the Republican Party, I think, for a long time. Yeah, well, not too long. I mean, if you looked at him today when he was speaking, he looked really old. <laughs> he, he did. I mean, what has he got? Ten years? Five years? I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't wish death on anybody, even my worst enemy. And I don't think he's my worst enemy. But I, no, it, 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 he didn't look good today. He, you know, I, I was literally looking at him saying, "Yeah, he's looked like he's aged." And he really didn't yeah. look like he aged all that much during his presidency till the last two weeks. Well, and last night, when he gave that speech last night, he also looked lost. Yeah. He looked in over his head. He yeah. looked scared. Yeah. Um, He's thinking it, it, all it was, the fun parts of being president are over. I can't shake anybody's hand. I can't do my rallies. I can't, you know, do, go to big events. Yeah. Why does he even want to be president? You know, he should drop out, frankly, because it, it's only going to get worse for the next couple of weeks. I agree. And again, I'm a conservative saying this, Chris, not only Trump, all of Trump's Senate enablers, Republican enablers need to lose. Yeah. Uh, because of what they did, they let him get off without even demanding a trial, right. an impeachment trial. They all, the Republicans, Mitch McConnell, all the rest of them need to lose as well. I, you know, I hope to God that that happens. And I, you know, even if Mitch McConnell doesn't lose in Kentucky, I hope that they lose the Senate and uh, and and we move on from Mitch McConnellism because you know I think what he's done to the Senate is unbelievable. Give me your Chris Hahn. Give me your ideal VP pick for Biden. You know I love Kamala Harris, but I think that yeah. the the job of the VP is to unite the party, right? And yeah. I think that that Biden's going to have to pick somebody from the Bernie wing of the party, and I don't know that Harris is sufficiently in the Bernie wing of the party. I think she's more in the Biden wing of the party. Um, Who would that be then? I don't know. Maybe Stacey Abrams, but even her, you know, she's a little more conservative than Bernie. So, I, you know, I, I don't know who that is. And that's what the, if he picked Warren? What if he picked Warren? I, I think that Warren would be a good choice. I think that would help unite the party, although there is some bad blood between Bernie and Warren at this point. So it's interesting to see where that's going to happen. All right. I only got. Well, you know what? You want to I'm going to keep you for another segment. How's that? Is that OK? <laughs> You got time? We'll talk more about this because I've got 30 seconds left in this segment and I, I want to have some more conversation with Congressman, former Congressman Joe Walsh, uh, former presidential candidate. So stay where you're at. All right. Here's part three of my interview with Joe Walsh. And for the record, we start off talking about the other Joe Walsh, the rock star. I had to cut some of that out because there was some music playing under it that I don't have the rights for on my podcast, but I have the rights for on my radio show. So enjoy. Uh, I saw Joe Walsh at a little uh, venue on Long Island uh, called the Paramount, and it's like a 2,000-seat venue, and I had excellent seats for it, and uh, he was great. He's phenomenal. Look, he's he's lived a tough life. I got to tell you, for a guy who's lived his life, Congressman, he looked fantastic. (laughs) I mean, mean, he's he's got to be like 70 years old at this point, right? How old is he? And he looked great, and he was playing, and he was playing around with with new techniques, and his guitar skills are still sharp, and his voice sounds exactly the same. That's cool. I mean, I loved it. It was a great show. Uh, you know, he played everything, you know, uh, you know, it's funny, Neil Young, who, you know, is, is on that bumper. We just played either yeah. coming in or coming out. Uh, one of my favorite artists I've seen him in concert and he's the worst concert to go to. Cause he just plays what he wants. 
whatever yeah. kind of mood he's in. You know, you came yeah. there, you ain't rocking any free worlds with Neil Young at his concert. <laughs> the only song he played I knew was Needle and the Damage Done, and it's one of the most depressing songs ever written. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, it, it, is, it is a riot. So let's, let's talk a little politics here. Let's talk about yep. this map. I mean, first of all, uh, I think Bernie Sanders is done on Tuesday night no matter what. I think he wanted to have one more debate. Uh, you know, I'm not happy he's doing it. But I think he's done no matter what on Tuesday. What, what's your thought on that? I, I think probably. But again, after what happened the past two and a half weeks, we thought Biden was done. I wouldn't say that right. yet. Right now, right now it's Biden's. And I, I see a lot of, even a lot of never-Trumper conservatives on my side who are calling for Bernie to get out right now and trying to force Bernie out. Look, I respect the hell out of Bernie. Uh, he's a man who's got his beliefs. He does have a movement. Yep. Young people dig him. He'll. I, I really do think, Chris, he's going to do the right thing. This isn't 2016. This is Bernie's last shot. This yep. is his legacy. He hates Trump. He'll do the right thing. Yeah, I think so, too. I just hope his supporters do. You know, the longer the primary goes on, the deeper the wound gets. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, I mean, look, barring some miracle next week, Right. I mean, right. The map looks bad for him next week. The map was oh, yeah. the map was better for him this week than it was than it will be next week. So barring some miracle, uh, I don't know how he justifies continuing after Tuesday night. I mean, he's losing in Arizona right now. He's getting clobbered in Florida. I mean, he might not even meet threshold in Florida. He, and you I know, think he'll lose my home state of Illinois on Tuesday. Yeah, you're right. Super Tuesday was Bernie's. Bernie needed to win Texas and win California big. And, yep. and Joe Biden just, I mean, again, South Carolina turned everything around. African-American women voters yeah. basically picked Joe Biden up and said, follow me, young man. And, 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 by, and by the way, I've been having fights with Bernie supporters all week because they keep saying that the establishment brought Joe Biden back. No, bull, bull. yeah, no, the base did. African-American women are the base of the Democratic Party. They made Jones a senator, and they are going to make Joe Biden the president of the United States. It is. And look, look, you're right, Chris. Bernie, young people are all in with Bernie, but I'm sorry. Young people aren't voting. I, there's no there's no revolution. The, I'm, I'm, I love young people. I used to be a young people, but it pisses me off that we hear yeah. this every four years. Yeah. And they're not voting by the way he didn't even win them that big <laughs> you know no. he's, he lost no. every county in michigan and there are a couple big college towns there so he said that yeah. there was going to be he said there was going to be this massive voter turnout for him that hasn't happened these young people are not showing up to vote for bernie sanders that has to say enough to him that it's time to get off the stage now i get it you want your one-on-one debate you want to see if you can move the policy ball get a few more delegates at the convention by the way there might not even be a convention at the pace we're going with this virus right, right? right. so you know it's time to kind of unify and get behind a single candidate and I do think, chris i do think bernie will be gracious in that debate bernie's speech a couple days ago after the last set of primaries to me, he was signaling that he's beginning to move. Yeah. By the way, Joe Biden is the turnout machine. I mean, turnout is way, way up again, primarily in the suburbs because of Joe Biden. Absolutely. The other great. This is the other great story, Chris. Yeah. I mean, the great political story. My former party, the Republican Party, because of Donald Trump, has completely lost the suburbs. I mean, think about Michigan, for example. The primary in Michigan yeah. had four hundred, almost four hundred thousand additional voters this year. We all yeah. talked about how the primary in 2016, 100,000 fewer Democrats voted in the general election than voted in the primary. Well, if that happens this year, the Democrat will still win Michigan by 300,000 votes based on the turnout that happened uh, the other day in Michigan. So, I mean, it is, you know, assuming the Republican turnout's the same. The yeah. turnout is on fire in the Democratic primary, and it's not helping Bernie. And it's, you know, I, yeah. No, Chris, you're right. Donald Trump is the Democrat greatest get out the vote tool and and from the moment trump was sworn in in january 17 all he's done is get democrats to come out and vote so in the few minutes i have left with you you said something in the last segment i want to kind of key on for a second you said that the republican party has to break up and reform as something else now i think it's done i think it's done yeah so tell me about that chris i think it's over i think it's permanent 
and and because there are a lot more people like me, I may be one of the louder Republicans that have said I'm done. Right, no longer my party. It, it, think about it like this: like Ted Cruz, <laughs> hang in there. Ted Cruz and Joe Walsh probably agree on a lot of issues. Yep, I will never ever support Ted Cruz ever again. Yeah, because of what he did, letting Donald Trump get off without a trial. That split now is permanent. Yeah. Uh, in the Republican Party. I think you're going to see a bunch of conservatives and moderates who believe in decency split up from the party immediately after this election. Huh. And what do they do? You think they form another national party or do they compete against the if, current Republicans? If Trump wins, I think you'll see an immediate formation of a conservative, decent, moderate party. If Trump loses, I think you're going to see a lot of Republicans like me, former Republicans, run as independents in 2022 and 2024. Interesting. Like the Bull Moose Party or something like that. Bingo. Or the Bingo. No Homers. I don't know if you're a Simpsons fan, but they, they you know, yeah. the, the Stonecutters <laughs> formed the no, the no Homers Club because they didn't want Homer Simpson being the head of the Stonecutters anymore. <laughs> I mean, I think about that all the time. I'm yeah. like wondering yeah. when that's going to happen in the Republican Party, but it seems to be, you know, they're just afraid. I but, mean, I don't understand. I worked in Congress. I don't think it's that great yeah. of a town to be in that it's so important that they come back for one more term that they sell their souls. Yeah, it's Look, I was there. I was a congressman. It's a cool gig. But no, you're right. It's not a cool enough gig to sell your soul. Um, it's it's but but that's what it is, Chris. And and they're afraid of of Trump's voters. They don't want to. Lo- None of these guys. You, I've I've said this publicly, and you know this is true. Most of my former Republican colleagues, they think Trump's a, a moron. Yeah. And they say that privately. They know he's a liar. But they won't say anything. Publicly, Congressman, I'm out of time. This went yeah. way too fast. You're Congressman Joe Walsh at Joe Walsh on Twitter. Check out his book. It's on sale wherever you get your books. All right, stay where you are. I'll be right back to wrap things up. All right, Joe Walsh. Hope you like that. Look, I'm going to bring conservatives on, and it is kind of funny how Joe and I are longing for the days where we can just disagree again, <laughs> right? It's like. Ah, remember when we used to disagree? Remember when I used to call Joe completely out of line? He was like one of the biggest problems, just a freshman congressman from Illinois that nobody cared about except for pundits because he always said something wild. Yeah, I miss those days. (laughs) I think we all miss those days. I know Joe misses those days. I I miss those days a lot, and uh, hopefully they'll be back soon. So one more thing to talk about before we go. I mean, primary tomorrow... Um, like I said earlier, in Florida, Arizona, Illinois, and Ohio, I think that uh, if it goes as I believe it will, with Joe Biden winning pretty handily in all of those states. Now, lack of turnout, and definitely if you're a senior citizen, you're more susceptible to this virus, you might not come out and vote. That uh, hurts Joe a little bit, but I don't think it's going to hurt him all that much based on the polling I've seen. Um, You know, I, I think if the if it goes the way we say it's going to go, and it's a blowout for Biden in Florida and uh, probably in Illinois and uh, maybe a little tighter in Ohio, but it'll probably go the same way as Michigan. And uh, and then Arizona, I think Joe's looking pretty good there as well. And that's supposed to be where Bernie's supposed to be strong, another one of those states. I think if tomorrow goes as planned and Biden takes three out of four or even four out of four, I think it's time for Bernie to hang it up. And I think that given what we're going through right now, it's the only responsible thing to do. I watched the debate the other night, and there was no blood there, right? I don't think they helped each other. I don't think they hurt each other. I don't think they helped anything. I think it could have been a night for them to go big. And I, instead, they spent the, the entire night you know, attacking each other. I, I don't know why Biden had bothered attacking Bernie Sanders the other night. I don't get that at all. I like that he says he's going to pick a woman to be his VP. I think that's important. I think it's something that Bernie should have committed to. He didn't. He didn't rule it out. Um. But I think that it's a uh, a milestone, and I think that Joe Biden is probably going to be the next president of the United States. I, I don't know. I mean, a lot can happen. They're going to judge Donald Trump based on his response to this crisis, and so far, not so good. So we'll see where we end up a year from now, or a year from now, seven months from now. But tomorrow night 
is an important night. And if the results are clear, it's time for Bernie to clear the field. I, you know, I, I, I went back and forth on whether or not he should still be in, stick around. I kind of landed on, yeah, you know what? He could still be in. What difference does it make? But here we are, right? I mean, when, when we were thinking, talking about this a week ago, we didn't think people were going to be basically convi- confined to their homes in most of the nation. And now that's where we're at. So I don't see the point in dragging this out because Bernie wants to make a statement. I think the time is now to unite and win. And it's also not, you know, look, if you can't win, why are you going to drag people out? Why are you going to make people go out and vote? when they shouldn't have to. So Bernie, do the right thing if you lose tomorrow night. Get out of the race and endorse Joe Biden. If you win, I guess we'll have to reevaluate it. But if you lose, and there's no way you can mathematically, you know, barring some victories tomorrow night, there is no mathematical way that Bernie Sanders gets back into this race, barring a complete and total collapse by Joe Biden which is highly unlikely. So sticking around is just selfish at this point, given the, given the way things are going. So, and, and I look, and I'm not saying this out of like any, there's no, there's no hate for Bernie Sanders coming from me. I respect what he's built. I respect his movement. I respect a lot of the views he has. I agree with him on a lot of things, but he's not going to be president of the United States. Barring a miracle tomorrow night. So he's got to do the right thing and he's got to get out. And you, my loyal listeners, thank you. I I may do some extra podcasting because I'm going to be around a lot. So I might throw a bonus episode up here or there. Hopefully you enjoy those. If you, you know, shoot me an email, go to ChristopherHahn.com or you could could, uh, message me on Facebook at ChristopherHahn. Let me know what you're thinking. Tell a friend about these podcasts. We're doing very well. And, uh, you know, there's going to be more for us to talk about over the next couple of weeks. So uh, thank you so much for continuing to listen to me. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Hold on to what you love. And I'm going to remind you, as always, to seek the truth. Question everything and everyone, America, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there. And I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.